Well, good morning. We've come to our last sermon in this year's vision series. Uh, hopefully it's been helpful. I know some of you, it's your first time here, so hopefully this will be a little bit helpful in, uh, in getting to know who we are a little bit, uh, the things that we do, uh, the things that we emphasize, and what we hope to accomplish by those things that we do. If you've been around for a while, uh, it's always a good process, um, even, even as a pastor who's uh, been here for quite some time, it's a good reminder for me of what we do and why we do it. Uh, and so we've addressed the overall mission statement of the GraceWorks, which is relationships built on grace. Uh, that is what it's all about. And we've talked about worship services uh, built on grace. We've talked about service outreach. We've talked about community groups. And uh, those things all pretty easily fit into the category of strategies. Right? These are things that we want to emphasize and do because we think they're the most valuable uh, ways to, to grow spiritually. All right? There are lots of different things that other churches do. These are just the ones that we want to hone in on. And we want to try and do a few things well. Um, and, uh, but this last one, the, the last one of our strategies or pillars you might call them, is families built on grace. Now, you know when you're in a community group. It's pretty clear when you're at a worship service. If you're covered in paint or dirt, you're probably at a service project. But families, like there's very few of us who don't have living family, right? Parents, siblings, spouses, kids. So this is like an all the time thing. How do, you, how do you say, or how does the grace work say, this is part of our strategy as families? Right, we're, we're not trying to breed our way to spiritual growth. I've watched too many documentaries where the church tries to, yeah, anyway. But, but the idea of, of families is so crucial Right, biblically, spiritually, even in society. Strong families, healthy families are absolutely crucial. And, um, and we want to be able to define and affirm and build up and maintain healthy families at the GraceWorks. Because it affects all areas of life. Uh, here's a pop quiz for you. What has God ordained to be the primary vehicle for transmitting spiritual knowledge and growth? Yeah, families. Okay, if you said church, you get partial credit. But, but the real answer is families. Um, take a look at this. In uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 8, here is what is written. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. Here's where it gets really interesting. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house 
and on your gates. Well, it seems to me like it's pretty clear that God designed families to be that primary method of of spiritual growth. That's where it should be. Now, the church is also an important part. Uh, We get to affirm that role for the family, help support that role for the family, and maybe bridge uh, some gaps that might exist. But let's, let's start out by defining family with a biblical definition. It's the first human-to-human relationship described in Scripture. In Genesis 2.24, it says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. This is the basis for all families, marriage. A committed, permanent relationship between a man and a woman. It is the only relationship that can result in multiplication, while providing a stable environment for growth and passing on spiritual truth. Like this is the design. And Genesis 2.24 describes that creation of a new family unit. Right From one family, a, a grown child leaves that family and unites with a grown child from another family. And they become one, united, physically, spiritually, emotionally one. And it went badly, very quickly. Uh, let's just be honest. The first marriage relationship was damaged by leadership issues and mistrust and blame. Right? If you look back in, in uh, Genesis, Adam seemed to abandon his leadership role. Eve shared her sin with Adam. Adam accepted. They both hid from God and blamed each other. And Adam even blamed God and his wife when, when they were called out. And it's been a struggle to keep marriages healthy ever since. Uh, Families, of course, didn't stop at marriage uh, because we have the whole kid factor, right? Genesis 1, 28, and God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Be fruitful and multiply. That's why we have little ones running around here. Right, kids have also been a struggle. Uh, the first sibling relationship uh, described in Scripture was rather damaged by murder. Now, can you imagine Adam and Eve? Like, is this normal? Huh? But the truth is, families are under attack from a number of different directions. From our own sin, right? There is an internal attack from our own proclivity to want to be selfish and caring less about the destruction that we cause as we pursue sin. The times I'm lazy and watch TV instead of engage with my kids or when I'm angry and I don't argue unfairly with my spouse, those are just the ones I'm, I'm willing to admit Right, but we but we see affairs and abuse and abandonment. The iterations of selfishness are pretty much limitless, but but there's some patterns that we typically see. 
Again, I, I don't need to spend much time explaining this because you've all experienced it. You've, you've either all done this or, or had the experience of someone doing these things to you or seen it in your families or friends. Because it's rampant. So we have this internal sabotage of our family relationships from ourselves and we also have an external pressure from Satan and the world. Okay? Biblically, when we say the world, it is essentially the, the system set up in opposition to God and his law and his desires. And one of Satan's tactics is erosion. And taking, say, the basic building block of the family marriage uh, as an example, this is what's happened in the past few years. Right after decades of what I would call erosion, just chipping, chipping away at the definition of marriage, it has changed in our culture. It, biblically, it hasn't changed at all, but culturally and socially, there's a different definition now of marriage. And it's fascinating. Uh, I've got a couple, couple fruits here, right? Apple, pear. There's an apple, there will never, never be a pear. It's always been an apple, always will be an apple. However, if I start calling this a pear, if I get others to start calling it a pear, if I start a cultural movement under tolerance and acceptance that this should also be a pair, how long do you think it would take until the definition changes? Right, that's an example of erosion. Again, that's what happened with marriage. And the goal... The goal, the agenda was to change the entire definition of marriage. This kind of erosion, these kind of external pressures happen all the time, especially in the area of sexuality, now gender. Right? This, this isn't anything really new in history, um, but our society tends to view sex as a right. Biblically, it's a privilege that should only be enjoyed in marriage where the responsibilities that come from that can be honored. But divorced from the proper context, our society and our culture creates families without a stable environment of a mother and father who are committed to God, to each other and their kids, or we solve that problem culturally through abortion. The world says, and this is, this is right at the heart of our families because families are so integral to our relationships. They're our closest relationships. The world says, Satan says, be whatever you want to be. Do whatever you want to do. As long as it makes you happy. 
Have you heard some of those phrases, right? Some of the phrases that irritate me the quickest are the, you know, trust in yourself and believe in yourself and be true to yourself. Like, no, (laughs) we're the problem. So the world says, do whatever you want, be whatever you want, trust yourself, be happy. God says, trust me. Be holy. And this is exactly why the world and God are diametrically opposed. Completely different values. And so families are under attack. They have been literally from the beginning. And it can be exhausting. Fighting our own sin... Fighting the internal challenge to family, that's hard. It can be exhausting. Praise God, we have the Holy Spirit to be able to give us strength to overcome sin. But it's a struggle, and it can be exhausting. Fighting or, or standing for Scripture against the downstream current of culture can be kind of exhausting, It's tempting to stop fighting. It's tempting to compromise. But families are important. We all know it. We want the best for our families. I believe that. And so how does the church come in? Well, interestingly enough, there's a lot of familial language in Scripture. Uh, God as Father. Jesus as Son. The church as bride, Jesus as the groom, Christians as brothers and sisters, Christians as sons and daughters. The family, family language is all throughout scripture because in some ways the church does kind of mimic a role of family. And God has decided to reveal himself and his character and his relationships through some of those family relationships. I would say that the larger church, like the church, exists for three reasons. One, to enlarge God's family. Right? God loves to adopt. He loves to adopt. <laughs> and there is so much room for more adoptions. God is not limited by resources. He wants more, more people in his family because he loves us. Two is to support God's family through different challenges of dealing with sin in ourselves, with our families, with the world, in, in our relationships. And I would say three, uh, also to show an example of how relationships should work. That the way that the church functions should, like people should be able to look at how the church functions and the relationships within the church and see, oh, that's how a family's supposed to look. That's how it should. Now, we've got a lot of work to do on all of these. But at, at the GraceWorks, again, families are intertwined in all of the things that we do. That's why when we talk about you know, the four strategies or pillars, family's kind of that pillar thing. So in in worship services, we're going to be teaching God's word. 
I know the vision series is a little bit different than what we normally do. Normally we go through whole books of the Bible because we want to teach the whole counsel of God. We don't want to skip stuff. We don't want to get on hobby horses and just preach things that we, that we want to preach or that tickle our ears. Um, so we usually go through whole books of the Bible. Right? As, a, as a family, we should be talking about that kind of stuff. Right? Once, a, once a month we have our older kids come in here also and spend time. It's not, it's not just to give kids volunteers a break. It's also to help, to help train and have some family discussions about what we're learning, right? Help them learn how to learn and be a part of the service. In kids' ministry and youth ministry, this is not a replacement for family. It's never intended to replace family for transmitting spiritual truth and growth. But we want to come alongside families and provide some more conversation starters for hopefully what's already being taught at home. And again, bridging gaps where maybe that isn't happening. Uh, With service outreach, uh, we want you to be bringing your kids and serving together and understanding how serving other people in the community creates bridges in community groups right we want conversations to happen talking about what's really going on in our families right beyond surface level conversations we this is a part of growth and development spiritually and and outside of those things we want you to know that we we love your families. We want to do whatever it takes to help them be healthy. And here's what I would love to see. I would love to see a lot of transparency and honesty about what's really going on so that we as a church can help. Um, I'm a big proponent of like pre-engagement counseling. And this, this just kind of sets the tone for life, right? Pre-engagement counseling, not pre-marriage counseling. Pre-engagement counseling. Because by the time you're already engaged, you're like, we're set. We're just, yeah, say whatever you want to say. We're, we're on this. Mo-. No, no, no. Back up a little bit, right? Is this a good relationship, Get some third parties in there to say, is this a good relationship? Should we get engaged? Right? When you're married, have some checkups. We did this a, a number of years ago. Uh, we have some tools uh, at our disposal to do some, some marriage checkups. The survey through Prepare and Rich. Uh, if you're interested in that, let me know. Um, again, just a, just a few sessions to just... See how y'all are doing before something blows up. Right? If you have questions about kids, like look around the room. See, see whose kids you like and, and want your kids to be like. No, I, I'm not joking. Right? This is one of the things that attracted us to the GraceWorks. Because um, we got to be in the, the Miller's community group. And we're like, yeah, if, if our kids turn out like the Miller kids... This is going to turn out well, right? This is, 
this is who we want to hang out with. This is, we want to see what they do. And this is all, this is all a part of what should be happening in the church to strengthen families. We don't have to just go at, go through life on our own. And so, when we say families built on grace, overall, there's, this is what we mean. Uh, a couple of different meanings of grace. One is the grace of the good news about Jesus. Capital G, grace. God's grace to us that provides a way to overcome sin and allows us to be permanently adopted into the family of God. Grace, capital G. And it's also an attitude with which we need to interact with others. Our own family relationships, really everybody, remembering that we're all broken people. Uh, Christianity one way to look at it is is that it is about building bridges. So the most important bridge is the gap between sinful people and a holy God. It is a gap that cannot be bridged by anything other than Jesus Christ. And belief in him. Now, at the moment of salvation, when someone says, yes, I accept that I am a mess and I need help, and I believe in the death and resurrection and what that signifies in terms of Christ paying the penalty that we deserve for our sin and taking our place so that we can have a healed and restored relationship with God and spend eternity with him. At that moment, some things happen, but not everything. One thing that happens is that we become, identity-wise and positionally, part of the family of God. We are his children, and we will spend eternity with him. That's our identity. We are a new creation. We are made perfect in Christ. So when God looks at us, he sees the righteousness of Christ, not our mess. That happens. Like we own that. That's our identity. And yet, day to day, functionally, we've got a long way to go on a very narrow road. And this is where grace comes in. Right? It doesn't make a lot of sense, I think, for us to be smug and arrogant about being here versus somebody else in an area being here. Am I right? Right? There there should be no there should be no arrogance in Christianity. We're a mess. You're a mess, I'm a mess. But we know where to go. And we know who can help us. And so, I think the idea of this, of this basis of grace 
It's just helping people get closer to Jesus. And this goes for relationships between Christians because we're really in the family of God. This goes for relationships between Christians and non-Christians. So hopefully they'll be family members. You know, with, as Christians interacting together, you know, sometimes the gracious thing is to not be so offended by things. Uh, to maybe not make a big deal out of something, to not judge, to always forgive, to always encourage. But I will also say that it is a gracious thing, depending on how we do it, it is a gracious thing to address sin in others. It really is. That is is loving. Especially patterns we see, maybe especially within our families, but, but within the family of God. It doesn't do anyone favors, any, any favors to overlook patterns of sin. Personal offenses, sure. We can have a little bit thicker skin. But we want to look out for each other because we're family. We need to be gracious in our interactions with non-Christians as well. And I would say conversations about family and, and with other families, what's healthy, what's right, can include God's desires for us. Um, but we also need to realize that, uh, that we may disagree on some foundational values and some foundational truths. You know, we, can, we can talk about the benefits of a lifelong commitment to marriage, biblical sexuality, biblical purity, uh, loving discipline of our of our uh, children. And I think these, these principles, to some degree, even without God's name attached, should make some sense just because of the way nature works and logic, which comes from God. But the truth is, many people have been deceived by the world. And so, so we need to have conversations Right in this in this really over politicized culture that we are in, we need conversations to find common ground that we can, and not just assume that legislation of God's morality is going to fix everything. Because because it doesn't. The problem is that we're all broken. And so our interactions with with all people, really goes back to the very first sermon in this vision series, relationships built on grace. We need to love people. doesn't mean we dilute the truth or ignore it. Not by any means. Jesus was full of grace and truth. But let's let the truth itself be offensive if it has to be, not the way in which we present it. In all of our conversations, in all of our interactions with our family and with everyone else, let's ask this question. Am I building a bridge or a barrier? Bridge or barrier? 
Am I helping someone move closer to Jesus or am I putting up a wall?